I'm Rakesh. I'm a new grad from the University of Michigan. I study computer science and physics there. And uh, one of the things that I learned while studying during my undergrad is that a lot of people love to break into product management, but don't really know where to start, don't really know what resources to take on, and they find it really daunting. So with that idea in mind, I really want to connect with people who've gone through the trials and really learn the in and outs of breaking the product. And these people are leaders in the industry with years of experience, shipping product, talking about product, as well as just having that entrepreneurial mindset as well. So with that mind, goal in mind, I'm just interviewing as many folks as possible and sharing that with the student community here, as well as any aspiring professionals who are looking to dive into the product industry. Um, any questions on that? No, I think it makes a lot of sense. And definitely I get a lot of students reaching out and trying to understand uh, what it takes to break into the field. It's, it makes a lot of sense in terms of the interest in product management. It's a great field in that it touches a lot of areas. So thanks for bringing me on and happy to share some tips and thoughts. No worries. And thank you for taking the time. Um, so can you tell the startup by telling a little bit about yourself, what you do, a little bit about your background, as well as um, any interesting facts about you or anything you would want to share to the listeners? Sure. My name is uh, Srini Shakran. I'm a senior product manager at Amazon. Specifically, I'm working on Amazon Pinpoint, which is a user engagement platform. So think of uh, you know, a marketer can go on the platform and send a message across different channels to reach their audience. Uh, it's a lot of fun working with engineers, designers, uh, you know, any other stakeholder you can imagine from legal to finance. Uh, and it's great in terms of learning across different disciplines and learning how to speak the languages that matter to that particular stakeholder. And before Amazon, I was a product marketing manager at a company called Cohesity. And they were a rapidly growing data management startup. I had a lot of fun. In my two years there, the company went from around uh, 500 folks to now more than 1,500. Uh, learned a lot there. And essentially, you know, the common theme of what I've been trying to do is unabashedly pursue whatever is interesting and whatever kind of piques my curiosity. I haven't followed any kind of career plan. So I started off in uh, engineering after studying electrical engineering, tried a bit of software engineering and got the startup bug, uh, tried founding my own startup, raised some venture capital and doing that and wearing many hats. Uh, and I realized that building and writing the code is just one part of tech and one part of business. And that's when I really became interested in things like product management and product marketing. That's what led me to where I am right now. I see. Thanks for sharing this, Srini. And the one thing that really caught my eye is that a lot of people go start out in some sort of technical field and dive into product management or they luckily kind of break in the product with the, one of the APM or rotational programs, but you're different from them. You started out directly raising capital, starting up building your own idea and um, building your own startup and eventually getting acquired by um, like VMware. Is that right? Um, I wasn't sure. Just wanted to kind of get that confirmation from you. Can you talk us 
talk a little bit about that, please. So the startup I found it was called Gavano. It, it wasn't acquired, but uh, had a lot of great learnings there. And that's the thing. Uh, there really is no downside in pursuing curiosity for its own sake, especially in the Valley and tech today. And that you can go ahead and if you have an idea and pursue it uh, and it ends up failing, that's perfectly fine. In fact, you get a lot of great learnings that you wouldn't otherwise. I see. Hmm. So, so more about the trial and error. Hmm. It's something that a lot of students feel a little intimidated by, kind of failing around here and there. But at the end of the day, I guess it all kind of connects somehow. But anyway, I think that's a lot of information. And thanks for sharing all that. I think the listeners have a good idea about what you did, what they know about US Fall. So are you ready to dive into those questions? Yep, definitely am. Awesome. So let me read out the first question and uh, feel free to ask me if you have any doubts on that. The first question is, what are your thoughts about COVID on the product and startup space? This could mean any new business models you observe, any new product trends, or anything else you have on top of your mind. Sure, happy to answer this. So let's take a step back. I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there are uh, from engineering school or are in that technical mindset. So, you know, business model could be loaded, but in simple terms, if we can think of it as a framework of how to capture value in the back end, deliver value in the front end to people or customers, and then capturing some of that in terms of monetizing it. Uh, so in terms of COVID's impact on product space, especially with business models, I see three things. Uh, more resilient business models. Uh, some organizations rethinking the entire business model completely. And a more blurring between virtual and physical worlds. So let's go to the first one of companies looking towards making their business models more resilient. So during the crisis, there are some winning industries and models, and there are also losing industries and models. So for example, there's an uptick in e-commerce demand and content streaming, for example. Meanwhile, travel industries have been hard, hit hard. This is obvious, right? There might be a shift in making business models more resilient with the crisis. So companies may move from more transactional and one-time loan product offerings to more comprehensive offerings that are more sticky and recurring. And this makes it less risky for that company. So they're going to move from one-time engagement to compelling, prolonged, and repeated engagement with their customers. So the second point is around rethinking the entire business model completely. So far, when you hear about digitization in many industries, it's still been on the fringes, right? It's about taking some manual operational workflow, like a paper-based document process, and then making that into a digital paper-free process. It's been on the sidelines, right? But that hasn't completely changed the core business model. What I'm talking about in terms of a dramatic shift is something we saw the last several years with Microsoft, with Satya Nadella at the helm. He shepherded the company from a kind of locked-in license-based model to a more collaborative, open, subscription-based model. And that's a dramatic shift in the business model, and that's obviously had a significant impact on Microsoft. And I think we're gonna see a lot more of digital transformation to being 
less of automating some parts of the business at the fringes to really changing the business model completely. And we can see this in industries such as retail from shifting how they distribute products to how they're reaching customers in the first place. And the last theme is, uh, it's not gonna be about virtual world or physical world anymore. The lines are already blurred. So this has been a clear theme for many years, but this crisis has really catapulted this idea that the lines we set or the distinction we set between our digital worlds and physical worlds is really minimizing to the point of being non-existent. So yes, I, I would love to meet my friends physically. I would love to meet my colleagues physically, uh, you know, joke with them and see that nuanced body language that you just can't get over a Zoom call. Uh, but a lot of us were lucky enough to continue our work virtually almost in a seamless way. It's not perfect, but it's virtually perfect, right? We were able to stay connected with loved ones. We were not just meeting new partners, but continuing relationships with them. Again, that's far from perfect, but it's mind-blowing to just take a moment to appreciate that we're able to connect with loved ones and colleagues and not just one or two, but multiple senses. We took our fitness classes from retail or brick and mortar gyms to our rooms and backyards through group video calls. So, uh, you know, these are just some examples, but the lines between digital and physical for sectors like retail uh, and our personal lives have been blurring for a while now, but this year made that a lot more visceral. So those are some of those thoughts of I'm seeing COVID impact business models and trends. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. That's really deep insight. I mean, just like stepping back, like you said, and thinking about how far we came from shifting everything that we do from a live state to virtual. That means a lot of the work shifting all, to all that. That's just amazing just thinking about it. Just taking a step back. But one thing which always kind of gets me is that I just wonder. What happens after we get a vaccine and people start gradually shifting back to their old ways? Um, will all this kind of, will all these changes in the business models be temporary and people kind of get used to the old ones and the businesses react to that and shift back to their regress? I'm not sure about it, but what do you think about it? I think in terms of a simple answer, it takes a lot of inertia to do many things and shifting a business model takes a lot of inertia and that's why you know with the microsoft example there's a lot of uh you know applause for nadella in that it's not easy to shift the direction of company and change that core business model or even change the culture of a company so it takes a lot of inertia to swing an organization or a trend one way or the other and COVID has shifted the trend and it's going to take a lot of inertia to, you know, bring it back to the baseline of 2019. So I think it's here to stay. Got it. Well, it's, uh, that's some interesting uh, things to think about. Thanks for sharing that. And you ready to move on to the second question? Sure. Awesome. Second question is more practical and for the students. I think this is what the students are exactly looking for. So it's how would you recommend aspiring students and early professionals to break into PM. This could be anything 
from books to um, any resources to maybe some personal advice that you want to give. It could be anything at all. Sure, I love this question in that, uh, you know, my path has been unique. I didn't get a super fancy degree or a super fancy MBA degree. Uh, so here's a very specific uh, thought process I went through. So the way I got a PM job was I applied the same exact lessons from product management theory, and I applied that for my job search. So what do I mean by that? When we're building a product, we're defining why we're building it right in the first place, uh, who the stakeholders are, what your constraints are as a team, and then what your product hypothesis is. So I first defined why do I want to be a PM in the first place in a very honest way. And what I quickly realized is that too much advice out there and content consumption can be dizzying. And you might get a lot of opinions that may work for that person, but is masquerading as advice. So I wanted to be very clear on what my goals are and what's the reason behind them. Um, my goal was I wanted to be a product manager at a big tech company so I can learn product management skills in a disciplined way, contribute to products that reach a lot of users, millions of users, and then meet some great people. So I wanted to learn great product practices at a customer-centric company, have the satisfaction that the product I put in the hands of people is used by a lot of people, and then expand my network. My hypothesis was I can just get I can get just about any job I want by applying lessons from product management theory. And my constraints or my imagined constraints was, you know, I had no MBA or a significant network to start off with. So based on this goal, this hypothesis and these constraints, I try to execute. So I identified my target audience uh, in that I wanted to be a PM at this particular company at Amazon. So I narrowed my target audience hiring managers to very specific set of job titles, director or senior manager of product management at Amazon. And the second piece, what I did is after identifying who I want to target is, you know, I differentiated myself. So a key product management lesson that we all know in tech is that to succeed in a crowded market, your product must be differentiated, right? So how are you uniquely delivering value or capturing attention? So I made sure I was differentiated too, not to check a box or not just for the sake of getting a job, but you know, I would just became more confident in being myself and then wasn't afraid to entertain my curiosity. So I built products, even if I was doing it without a title to my name, these were side projects. And then I focused on delivering value and then trying to understand what people want. So I started doing the job, whether at you know my own starter projects or within previous roles where I was an engineer, uh, I was doing the job of PM without being a PM officially. And then I focused intensely on one subject at a time. And then I wasn't afraid to reach out to leaders, peers, or students to learn. So one specific example in that leaders have mentioned why they responded to my cold email when reaching out for a job versus the other dozens uh, was, you know, I differentiated myself in the form of one of these side projects. 
So I wanted to learn how to launch products. So I started the search of how to do product marketing uh, first by reading 14 books, right? And these books, if you just Google, you know, top product marketing books, you're going to find them. But these books gave way for a basic framework, but I wanted some more practical insight. So I cold emailed a bunch of marketing leaders and LinkedIn and listened to them. And I kept doing this, right? I would cold call someone, uh, get them on the phone, collect their advice and write it down. And over the course of six to seven months on weekdays and weekends, I compiled all these learnings into a book and then published that. Obviously I made it into a narrative and fun. And then this book went from an idea in my head to being one of the top books in its category, selling a thousand copies so far. And this really differentiated myself in the interview and kind of gave me an edge over uh, folks with much more fancy degrees, much more experience. So kind of the takeaway here is by pursuing my curiosity confidently, not just trying to check a box like I have this certificate or this degree. I was one able to expand my network uh, to learn a lot and three, build credibility and get the job I wanted by doing something different. Wow, thanks for sharing all that. The main takeaway I got from listening to all that is don't be afraid to be you and what makes you unique and be sure to have something special that can differentiate you from the crowd. I think that's what I got out of it. And I think a lot of students can resonate with that. Um, I guess that everyone has their own skill set and everyone has their own talent they want to share. Just be bold and honest about it. And the people who recognize you will eventually do. I guess um, that's it. But one thing which I want to kind of follow up on, you mentioned your book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It sounds really interesting. Sure. So at Coizde, I kind of transitioned from being in engineering to product marketing. And, you know, I got the job by helping out the product marketing team and in a rapidly growing startup, you have those opportunities without, uh, you know, a ton of experience in your belt. So when I landed the job, I wanted to learn more about it uh, in a formal way so I can do a great job and kind of grow in the company. Uh, so I set out by you know, reading a lot of books, the usual suspects like Made to Stick and then Crossing the Chasm. These are great books, by the way, to learn about marketing strategy. Uh, but I wanted a lot more practical and very tangible advice. So and I reached out to a lot of VPs of product marketing, directors of product marketing at companies like Salesforce and Automation Anywhere, and then asked about their advice on how to do PR, how to do uh, analyst relations, how to influence sales as the product marketing manager, how to influence the product management roadmap as the PMM. So I took all these learnings and wrote it down into a book called Product Marketing Simplified. And really this was my quarantine hobby. Spent a lot of time writing it. And it's one of the top books in its category today. Uh, over a thousand readers have got it and gave some great feedback. So if uh, you're interested in learning how to launch products and how to do product marketing or what is even product marketing, 
Uh, I think it's a great book to check out. And let me know if uh, you'd like a copy. Awesome. That would be great. And uh, it sounds like a book with a lot of great practical advice when compared to those books with more theory. And uh, since it's based on all of those conversations that you had with, I would say, people in senior positions, I think there's a lot of knowledge to be gained. I think a lot of the you know, listeners should really benefit from reading that as it would help them with their career as well. So uh, I guess a lot of people should be advised to check it out. But um, can you share the link to that book uh, in the chat? I'll just paste it in the description for the listeners to check it out. Definitely. I'll paste that in. Also, one thing in terms of your approaching your job search is that uh, one thing I've learned is don't take it too personally in terms of rejection always hurts and it can get very dejecting to get rejection email after rejection. But I'd recommend viewing the job search as a sales process. So whether you get an interview or a rejection, you'll see these as outputs, not personal criticisms. Uh, you know, on that path, with my job search, uh, job search is sent out a small number of cold emails to my target audience to test the waters, and I kind of put myself in their shoes. So I, when I was composing a cold email, I'd remind myself that, hey, Srini, that's far too long of a cold email. If you were the one receiving this, how would you react? So I've defined the attributes of a cold email through iteration. I made it concise, clear, and differentiated, and then actionable. And, you know, by not putting too much emotion in it and viewing it as a process, and I kept at it, and then I stuck to the process, and by the end of it, got a couple of offers with some great teams. Awesome. I guess a lot of, a lot of the issues that lots of people face is that dawning experience of getting rejection by rejection. It hurts their self-esteem, and they eventually quit. Uh, or even get scared to apply. And I think, like you, you said it great, just uh, leave the emotion out of it and be a little practical and you'll be good to go. And uh, I think that's the kind of the main takeaway on it. But thanks for sharing that as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, just your preference, we do have one more question. Would you want to kind of quickly go over it or do you think we should just wrap up? No, I think... Uh, we can wrap up. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks Trini for taking the time. We, you shared a lot of great advice from talking about new business models and what you saw during quarantine and why you think it would kind of last on even after uh, we get a vaccine for COVID. So got some great insights there. And most importantly, you shared your personal experience um, integrating PM for the students and professionals who are listening to this podcast as well as you um, shared some really critical advice about facing rejection and incorporating PEM principles into your job search. I never heard of that before, and it was really interesting to learn that from you. Um, and last but not least, you talked about facing rejection, which is kind of more on the emotional side of applying for these job roles, as well as differentiation, which is um, putting yourself in a really unique position and being you and authentic about it. So I got a lot of great lessons from this, um, from talking to you. I hope the listeners did as well, but thank you again for taking the time to speak with me and uh, sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Appreciate it. Mr. Rakesh, it's always a pleasure to share these thoughts with the next gen PMs. 
Always happy to help.